Welcome to the podcast of Rainbow Family Christian Center with Pastors Horace and Patricia Drumming. We would like to thank you for joining us today, and we pray that you are impacted, inspired, and encouraged by the Word of God. Let's check out today's message. thing that you and I can ever acquire or obtain is a relationship with Jesus, the author, the finisher of our faith, Alpha, the Omega, the beginning, the end, all about Jesus. And so in our lives, Lord, we thank you that our lives will be all about you. You will be the center of it all. Nothing missing, nothing broken, nothing out of place. Because Jesus, you hold the whole world in your hand. You have the plan for all of our lives. We pray that each one of you will discover your God-given purpose. Fulfill your God-given assignment on this earth. And I believe it's unique for each and every one of you. Nobody can do what you can do. But you can do all things through Christ, who strengthens you. Be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. And it's always because your mind is stayed on Jesus, and he keeps you, the word says, in that perfect place called peace, a peace that passes all understanding, that will gird your heart, gird your mind, help you to be the head, not the tail above, never beneath. You're more than a conqueror. The scripture says it. You're more than a conqueror. You don't just conquer. You're more than a conqueror. It's because of Jesus. Amen? Amen. Glory to God. Well, please be seated. Greet your neighbor on the way down. Glory to God. We've got a lot to accomplish today and to get taken care of. And I want to be about my father's business. Again, I want to welcome each and every one of you. There are some of you who are in our service for the very first time. We truly welcome you to Rainbow Family Christian Center. My name is Horace Drumming. I'm pastor here at Rainbow, and we welcome you. I welcome you on behalf of all the members of Rainbow, those of you who are viewing perhaps for the first time or for several times. Welcome home. Welcome to the house of the Lord. And God says, about his house. You remember there was a time where he was going down Via Dolorosa and he would go into the temple and he would drive some things out. He would drive and overturn some tables of money changers and you know what he said about his house? He says, my house shall be called a house of prayer. And I love what happens right after he says that. He says, and then the lame came in and the children came in. In other words, there were people that I get a picture of that were disconnected and outside of the blessing and the hand of God. And then God says, it's got to start with my house. How many of you know judgment begins in the house of the Lord? It starts with the house of God. It starts with you as an individual looking at yourself and saying, did I truly please God? All you have to do, and what I'm suggesting that you might do, is just look back over the last 24 hours of your life. From the rising of the sun until the going down of the same, 
Did you praise his name? Did you live your life where the focus was Jesus? Where the focus was what he commissioned you to do? How many of you have heard of what's called the Great Commission? Were you focused on fulfilling that Great Commission? Touching people from the highways and the byways and then compelling them to come in. I've been saying this, and I will continue to say this concerning the kingdom of God. And here's this. How many of you remember a man in the Bible named Noah? And we associate Noah with this object that he built called an ark, big boat. And what was Noah doing at that time? It was perilous time that the people were living in. What was he compelling people to do? Come in. Come in. Folks, in this perilous time that we're living in, we are supposed to have that kind of revelation like Noah had where we are now compelling people, come in. Come in. Come in to the place of safety. You know, back in the day, I grew up in Carolina, and it was a gospel group that used to sing, it's going to rain. It's going to rain. It's going to rain. And that's what Noah was, was, was declaring. It's going to rain, folks. I don't know if you realize that it's raining. It's raining. And God is saying, and, and the song would conclude by saying this, and I, I don't know all the lyrics of it, but it says, but it won't be water, but fire next time. It's raining. And the church, the body of Christ, need to be hearing the voice of God. And if you're hearing the voice of God, it's saying, go to the highways now. Go to the byways now. Compel people to come in. Tell people about Jesus. Folk, people will listen. How many of you realize when people get to a place where they don't know what to do, they will look to somebody who knows what to do. Anybody ever had to go to somebody you didn't know what to do, and you had to go to somebody who you... Uh, 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 considered educated enough to help you. How many of you have had medical problems and you needed to go to where? A doctor. Some of you have had financial problems and you needed to go to what? Perhaps a financial advisor. Some of you had legal problems. You needed to go to where? A lawyer. People have spiritual problems. And they need to go to people who have been filled with the Spirit of God. Filled with the knowledge of Christ. Filled with the word of God and people that the Bible says, and you, you would think about the book of Revelation, he says, let him who has an ear hear what the Spirit of God is saying. Do you realize that it's simply saying to you and I, God speaking. God is speaking. That those scriptures in the book of Revelation gives us the, the insight that Perhaps nobody was listening. But God was speaking. Have you ever been speaking in life and you realize that you were speaking but people weren't listening? It happens to me practically every Sunday. <laughs> I realize that I'm speaking sometimes but people aren't necessarily listening. But God says, but he who has an ear... You need to be hearing. The Bible says your faith, and you need faith. The Bible says without faith, it is impossible for you to please God. Anybody in here want to please God? 
then you're going to need faith. And the Bible says faith comes by hearing. And hearing what? The world needs the faith of God. And the Bible says that God has given us the measure of faith. But it drew me to where we were last week and where we are this week. Do people understand the voice of God? In other words, the scripture says that like this. He, he compares you and I, human beings, to sheep. And he says this. He says, my sheep know my voice. And the voice of a stranger they will not follow. Everybody, how many of you would consider yourself one of God's sheep? Yeah. Then he says this about you, about me, about us, that we know his voice. See, and one of the things I, I've learned, when you know God's voice, then respond immediately to the voice of God. Do not delay, do not take a detour, do not try to run away, do not try to hide. We go back to the book of Genesis. We left off there last week. Remember the book of Genesis? Adam and Eve have missed God. They have now started to listen to a, a foreign voice. The voice of a stranger is how the New Testament calls it. Remember the serpent is now speaking to Adam and Eve. The serpent is saying to them, you don't really need to pay attention to what God is saying. He says, has he really said that? You remember how the scripture goes, hath God said? I've always said it like this. When the enemy starts to put questions to you, he's trying to get you to question God. He's trying to put and plant doubt in you about the sincerity, about the integrity about the reliability that you and I, the dependence that you and I can have with God. And he's basically saying, you got to take care of self. You got to look out for yourself. He says, you know what? Follow my instructions. Eat of this fruit. And you know what he tells him? He says, you will be God. This is why when we land with this song, he says, all other gods, they are the works of men. But you are the most high God. See, you, you've got to know the most high God. And you have to know that the most high God speaks to you. Come on, look at your name and say, God speaks to me. It's a matter of whether you're going to listen to him or ignore him. Your parents probably can identify with this the best. When you're speaking to your children and they act like they don't hear you. You know what they're doing. You know they are ignoring you. You know they hurt you. You know that you were loud enough, plain enough, clear enough for them to have heard you, but they went past. This kind of reminds me, and I'm not going to, I want to clarify this. I'm going to use an example of a, of a pet, one of my neighbors. And I'm not comparing you to a pet. And this is a dog. But the neighbor who owned the dog, the dog never responded to his voice. He always would respond to the voice of the neighbor just down the house. In other words, there's one neighbor here, we're here, and there's another neighbor. We're all good friends. But the owner would go, he'd call the dog, the dog would not respond. 
Sometimes the dog would get loose and he'd be calling the dog. I remember one day I laughed. I shouldn't have laughed, but I did. I repent for it. But I laughed. It was a snow. Anybody remember? I mean, it was a lot of snow. I think we had at least 12 inches of snow on the ground. And he took the dog out and he was trying to, you know, you're letting your dog out and you want your dog to come back in. But the dog was enjoying the snow and he got the leaping and jumping and he went to the other neighbor's house, went into the backyard. And, and you know how you have these motion sensor lights. The motion sensor light comes out, I look out the window. <laughs> and my neighbor is falling in the snow. He is rolling. The dog, he is almost like it. But I thought about this. And, and, and finally, the neighbor came to the conclusion, I need to go ring the doorbell of my neighbor. And he said, and the neighbor's name was Vic. He says, Vic, can you come out and get the dog? Vic didn't even go out. He just called the dog's name. Immediately the dog came. Do you understand what I'm trying to, to paint for you? You know why the dog responded to Vic and not to the owner? Because you didn't spend any time with. See, you can have, as you would say, this is my church. But you might not even really spend any time. You might say, he's my God. He's my savior. But you don't spend any time. The dog knew the voice of Vic. And he responded. I mean, stopped playing, came, literally, in a sense, just bowed down. Let him put the leash on, told the other, the owner, the true owner, take it. Never went out of his house. That's, see, when you know God, the Bible says, you come boldly before the throne of this grace. You remember how the Bible says this. You remember this in the, in the scriptures, don't you? It says there was a time where people, they had passed. And they, they came and they approached the Lord and they said, Lord, Lord, didn't I? Lord, Lord, didn't I? Remember the response that comes back from the Bible? The Bible says, the Lord said to them, depart from me. Ah, you, you, you've been a worker of iniquity. I, I don't know you. Even the devil ought to know you. When you get up, the devil ought to, ought to be saying, got to get going because they up now. And I know what they're going to do. They're going to put me under their feet. They're going to put me under subjection. The devil ought to know you. Remember that in the Bible, there's a, this, this group called the Sons of Sceva. And the Sons of Sceva, they see the power of God operating on somebody else's life. And they say, well, we're going to go in and we're going to do what we saw the other people do. Folks, you can never do what other people do until you know what they are doing behind the scenes. There, there are people that you, you see their results. In other words, like kids, they, they love athletics. And right now, I think soccer and all of these types of things, basketball, and they're looking at all of these people and their accomplishment, but you don't see the practice hours they put in. You don't see the discipline in their lives that bring them to that point of their great athleticism. And people sometimes don't see the disciplines. How many of you, the Bible tells you to be a disciple? Do you understand what a disciple is? A disciple is a disciplined one. That's why they give us the word. I do not like the word like mentor. 
I'm mentoring somebody. I'm not mentoring anybody. When I look out in my, in my history, I realize mentor is old Greek God. And we got nothing to do with him. I am discipling people. And I'm trying to tell people to be a disciple. You have to have many disciplines. And these many disciplines help you to accomplish all that God has ordained you to accomplish. And one of the disciplines that you have to have is to be able to be still and know that he is God. Even for those of you who like to pray, prayer is essential. Prayer is essential. But even in your praying, you need to shut up sometimes and listen for the voice of God. He says, my sheep know my voice. So if you're speaking all of the time, do you realize that's a one-way conversation? So even if you are that person that's inclined to prayer, be inclined to sit for a while and be still and listen for the voice of God. Now, Alfred, I hope you're ready with my slides there. We, I got into this thing of saying, but it's fair to ask, how can I understand that it's God and perhaps not be tripped up that it's the devil or somebody else that's speaking to me? And I said to you, the Bible shows us there are seven basic things that you should, as it were, put it to the test. If you have an impression in your life that you feel like this is God speaking to me, then God says put it to the test. Put it to the test. And I, and I share it with you, what I've discovered is you can't just have one of the seven. Said, okay, I got past number one, so I don't have to deal with all the, the, the other six. You have to deal with all six. Here was number one. Alfred, if you run that slide back for me, one, because we only got through two slides. You, you see what it says? If I get an impression, does it agree with the Bible? Everything else is passing. Everything else is changing. How many of you know that God changes not? Everything that God's going to give you, everything that God's going to speak to you, it's going to agree with his word. If it doesn't agree with the word, it's not from God. That is not God's voice. And we say, look, you can be at a place. Look at Samuel. Samuel wasn't a, a young kid who had been running around doing a lot of sin. He was just not knowledgeable of who God was. My people, anybody heard this scripture? My people perish for what? That means you don't know. You don't know. I've said this in my life, and I've learned this in my life. You can have as much of God as you want. How many of you realize that you had the same access to education that other people had access to? Sometimes we didn't want it. Sometimes we said, how can I cut class today? When is that teacher going to shut up? Some of you are saying, when is that preacher going to shut up? But my people perish for what? For lack of knowledge. It's those who applied themselves. So you have to apply yourself unto the word of God. And so the, the first test that you want to give if you feel like it's an impression coming from God, does what this impression in my life, does it really line up with the Bible? Does it line up with the Bible? I'll give you an extreme case here, and, and you won't have extreme cases all of the time, but let me give you an extreme case. 
there's a man, he's a pastor. He has one of the largest churches. He is in South Africa. I won't call his name. Some of you are going to figure it out anyway, though. But on Easter Sunday, a few years back, he makes a declaration. His wife is sitting pretty much like where my wife is sitting in the front seat. But he looks over to the opposite direction. And I don't want to point at anybody, but he says, that lady is supposed to be my wife, not her. <laughs> Even the young people looking at me and saying, what? Was he that twisted? He was that twisted. And, it, and it's so sad because he was such an impressionable and charismatic person that even the congregation cheered. We're talking about over 10,000 people. And he did. He immediately went out and divorced his wife. Now, let me go back to this. Does that agree with the Bible? Does that agree with the Bible? Whatever impression that he had, that didn't agree with the Bible. Perhaps it was lust. Perhaps it was flesh. I, I, I'd like to say this in order to this person's credit. You know, and a lot happened. This person got, this pastor became gravely sick. Matter of fact, almost on to death. And the, the woman that he left the wife for, she left him when he got sick. You know, that not everybody can change a person's diaper. An adult. And he was that sick. Who do you think came and did all of that for him? Yeah, that's humble, isn't it? That was one who's hearing what the Bible says and one not hearing what the Bible says. Thank God he recovered. I mean, fully recovered. Thank God that he stood before that same multitude of people and repented. How many of you have ever missed it? Oh, man, I'm going to have to cast out some lying spirits in here because every hand should have went up. You've missed it. You've missed it. Maybe you just missed the opportunity to raise your hand. But <laughs> you've missed it. But the Bible says when we miss it, when I miss it, when you miss it, he says God is faithful and just to what? Forgive you. And you need to always, always turn to God. That's what his voice is going to be saying to you. Come. Remember what he said to Adam? Adam, where are you? You're not where you need to be. You're not where you're supposed to be. Some of you, 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 you're with people, and if you look at them, the Bible says you're not supposed to be with this person. Some of you are having sexual relationship with people that's not your husband. You're having sexual relationship with people that, that's not your wife. And you know it's against the Bible. Well, he loves me. Let me go back up here and mind my business. <laughs> but see, I'm minding the business of the, the things of God. This is what the Bible says about that. He says, that's sin. Some of you, I, I shared it last week, you love gossip. Every, every area of gossip is sin. You sit there, and people start talking about people, saying all kind of negative things, and you just sit there and gobble that stuff up. 
And many of you not only sit there and gobble it up, you go back and regurgitate it. And the Bible says, you don't realize how sinful that is. There, in the Bible, you remember Moses' sister? Anybody remember what her name was? Mary. Mary. <laughs> you know what happened? She didn't necessarily like Moses' wife. You remember Moses went out on the backside of the desert, spent 40 years, met a woman there. What was her name? Sapphira. You remember that. And, 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 and so when Miriam meets her, she's not kicking it like that. And, and, and so she starts to create some chaos, some, some division. How I many of you know God is not the author of confusion? God's not, whatever is going to divide, God's not in it. Because you know what he said about division? He says, a house. God said, you're, you're part of something that's about to tear down something. God is in the business of construction, not in the business of destruction. Because if it's not building up, it's tearing down. And he said, that's not my nature. The Bible shows us that. That's why when you get an impression, does it really line up with the Bible? I don't want to re-preach this point. Well, here's what we said about number two. How am I testing what, whether that's God's voice to me? Number two, please, that second slide, if you don't mind, please. The second slide we put there, it says, does this idea make me more like Christ? So whatever God is speaking about, speaking to you to do, it's going to make you more like him. How many of you know that the scripture says, you and I, about us, about our personality, says you must decrease so that God might what? Increase. So whatever God is going to speak to you, it's going to be so that you increase in your likeness. You were created in the likeness and the image of him. And, it, and everything that God does in and through your life, it will make you more like him. Amen? You become more like and more like Christ. Now, when we were looking at that particular uh, 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 test, we said there are certain things that will happen in your life that help you to realize that it's God or it's not God. And specifically, I had you, as we left uh, last week, in the book of James. And I want to go to that third chapter of the book of James, and I want you to settle back with me in verses 14 through 17, and I'll take you to two more demarcations, and I think we'll have to conclude after that. I could not get all seven in in one teaching, two teaching, and perhaps not even in three teaching. But so it's progression that we're going to take because you've got to get this because you need to, I need to, we need to, the body of Christ needs to know that it's God's voice. When you follow God's voice, it's like the 23rd Psalm. You're going to find that he's leading you to places that are peaceful. Besides still waters. He's going to be in, in the business of restoring things in your life. Not tearing things down. But restoring you. Helping you to get and to accomplish everything that he's desired for you in your life. So in James chapter 3, verses 14 through 17 is what we want to look at. And I want to look at it from the NIV version of the Bible. Amen? 
Look what he says. But if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambitions in your heart, do not boast about it or deny the truth. Such wisdom, everybody read, such wisdom does not come down from heaven, but is earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. Now, we, we, we highlighted that last week, remember? It says, if you're harboring bitter envy, if what you say is coming from God is all about you, it's selfish ambition. In other words, you don't mind crushing somebody else to get what you want, to get what you think is yours, that what you deserve. The Bible says, you can be assured that is not coming from God. That, look, look what he said. That's not coming down from heaven, but it's what? It's earthly. It's coming from you. You have not brought your flesh under subjection. It's coming from you. It's all about you. This is why we said you have to be aware that this other trinity called me, myself, and I is not what you want to follow. You want to follow the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. And he said, it's unspiritual. I mean, you know you're a spirit being. You should be walking in the spirit. And the Bible says, walking in the spirit, you will not fulfill what? The lust of the flesh. So God says, this is not spiritual. This is fleshly. That idea, that impression is fleshly, and it says it can even be demonic. This can be something that the demons of hell have put in your mind to do, and it's really never ever going to glorify God and it's never really going to bless you and it therefore definitely will not bless others verse 16 if we may verse 16 you read with me for where you have envy and selfish ambition there you find you notice these two things envy do you understand that the devil was envious of man? And he brought a lot of disorder. And he brought evil. You and I were born into sin. You know, your, your sinfulness is not a result of what you have done. Your sinfulness is a result of what you were born into. And the Bible says now God can translate you out of that over into his marvelous life. But he does not want you to practice evil. Amen? So I think sometimes people get it mixed up. They say, well, my practicing evil is what caused me to be a sinner. No, you were born a sinner. And God wants to save you. But once he saves you, he tells you, like he told to the woman who was caught in the act of adultery, go and what? Don't practice this sin anymore. See, when you, the interest of what God's word is supposed to give you light. And then you, what you now didn't know, you now know, and now you choose and make a choice, I will do this no more. Because now you're doing what? You're hearing God's voice. So he, he, he lists two things there. He talks about envy, and he talks about selfish ambition, and he says, these things just kind of put everything else out of kelter in your life. Now, let's go back down to uh, 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 verse number 17 which tells us what 
happens when it really is God's voice that you're hearing. This will be the order of your life. It, read with me. But the wisdom that does come down from heaven is first of all pure, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere. I call it the ratio of seven to two. The two things that will just mess you up. These seven things, along with the seven uh, tests that I'm talking about, will help you to understand whatever God's going to give you is going to be pure. How many of you know God is holy? Everything that God does is pure. It's without spot. It's without blemish. That's what he's trying to make of your life and my life, without spot or without blemish. There's no impure motives in it. And it, and it goes on, it says, it's peace-loving. How many of you know everything that God does will not cause people to be at war with each other? It'll cause them to be where? At peace. It'll cause them to be at peace. You, you don't give advice to a couple that caused them to go out and, and, and fight. You're supposed to be giving advice that'll help them to what? Be at peace. You don't give them advice like, you ought to go mess him up. That doesn't come from the Bible. You know it doesn't come from the Bible. It's considerate. It's considerate. You consider others. You know how the Bible says, he who will be first, he'll be last. When it's coming from God, it's not lifting you up so it can put other people down. You're considerate. How many of you ever, you're walking to an establishment, but another person was behind you, perhaps it's an elderly person. Uh, for you males, perhaps it was a female. And instead of you going in first, you know, hey, I wanted to go and I wanted to get in line. But you know what? I'm going to hold this door. How many of you ever hold the door? You were planning to hold it for one, and then two or three more come in. <laughs> <laughs> but you're considerate, and you say, They'll, they probably may even look, look at you and say, thank you. And you say, you're welcome. You don't get angry about it. Had anybody been in the, the line that said no more than 10 items? <laughs> you don't start counting what's in their basket, do you? <laughs> when they get it, <laughs> you're not being considerate. See, when you're considerate, you're saying, look, it's going to be all right. Anybody drive on something called 495, the Beltway? Have you ever had somebody just... Yeah, you know what I'm talking about. Just, I, I mean, you know they should have been in the right lane all the time, but they waited until they got all the way up there where the lane split, and then they cut in front of you. Were you considerate? Did you raise your hand? Oh, no, you raised your finger. No, no, maybe. <laughs> See, God's saying, even in situations like that, you are still what? Considerate. God is never going to have you yelling out the window. What do they call this stuff now? Road rage. Yeah, road rage in our, our, our city. Three months ago, remember road rage? The man got so angry, he just started flying randomly in the car, killed a child. You know that's not from God. I didn't want you brandishing a weapon and call yourself settling an argument. God is saying, no, be considerate. You might want to see their side. Sometimes it's, it, it, it's, a, it, it's a tourist 
They don't know the area. They don't know the geographical area. So how many of you had your GPS take you up to the last moment and tell you you need to turn right? And you try to follow the GPS rather than your driving skills. And a few horns start blowing. And you do like this. And what are you trying to ask the people? Please be considerate. I know I messed up. I know I just perhaps cut you off. I, I know that I may have called you to break suddenly, but please be considerate. And God said, you need to be considerate. This part, I know this is the exact place that I left off last week. Submissive. Submissive. If it's from God, it's submissive. You, do you understand what God is saying about this? If you get something from God and you don't want to run it past anybody, you especially don't want to run it past pastor. This is why we say to people concerning books, I said, don't bring books and introduce them to the congregation without me taking a look at that book because every book is not necessarily a God book. There's something about the, the nature of the person that enters into whatever their teaching, their preaching is. And some of us, we just hear stuff and we, how many of you would want people to just give your children food? You, you, you'll be okay if your child just walked down the street and this person said, here, here little boy, here little girl, here, take this. What would you likely do as a good parent if somebody that you didn't know gave your child food? You'd probably take it, wouldn't you? You probably would not let them ingest it. See, you've heard me say this perhaps in, in times past. 23rd Psalm. What does God put you? What type of pastor? It's a what? Green pastures. God will always put you in what? His sheep in what? Green pastures. Somebody say astroturf. Sometimes it might, you might think it's green pastures, but it's not even the real thing. And there are times when people say things. It's not real. This is why we're saying there are people, I, I've, I've come across a lot, there are people who can preach this, but they can't live this. It's living it. And it's not mean that there is anybody preaching this gospel who have not made or sinned, but it's talking about have you sinned and have you repented and have you gotten back to where you needed to be? How many remember a man in the Bible named David? Did he sin? Absolutely. We, all we have to do is say Bathsheba. All we have to do is call Bathsheba's husband's name. And we know that David sinned. But at the same time, David, after a while, he owned it. Everybody say own it. There are things that you have to own. You did it. And you need to repent of it. And when he repented, remember what God said? He is the apple of my eye. God is truly faithful and just to forgive you. But you need to be submissive. Whatever that God is speak, speaking to you. Folks, even when God called me, look, I'm an Air Force man, I'm retired. My, my education was in accounting, money and banking. I wanted to make money. You know what God called me to do? Pastor. But I didn't just jump at it, nor did I run from it. I knew it was God's voice, but I submitted it 
to people who were spiritually mature, who knew God. I took it straight to my pastor. I didn't want to try to do something without submitting to others that were in authority over me. How many of you would want your child to just take your car and just go wherever they want to? Two days later, you're still looking for your car. I said, oh, we made it to California. California. You're just doing your own thing. This is why the Bible says there are many sheep, but they are not always of this fold. They may be doing something, but see, God has designed you for something that he wants to do. And he says, whatever he's designed you for, to do, if it's coming from God, whatever he gives you, you can submit it. And it can go through the test. It can be tested. And the others can confirm, that's God. See, when I talk to my pastor about this, I, I, man, I, I'm telling you, I had it laid out. We had our house in Florida. I was going to Florida. Cocoa, Florida, not well, actually, we were in a little city called Rockledge, Florida, just outside of, there's Cocoa Beach, there's Cocoa, and there's Rockledge. We were going back to Florida. Our friends were in Florida. We had a church in Florida. You know, when I say have a church, we, we were a member of a church. I, 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 I folks, I, I wanted to go to the beach every day. Man, they don't even install heating units in the houses down in Florida because it don't get cold. So that's, that was my plan. Everybody say, my plan is not always God's plan. You got to realize that your plan is not always God's plan, and you want to make sure that whatever is your plan, you have submitted. I cannot tell you how many people I've seen try to go into business, but they never submit it. How many of you realize nobody will loan you any money unless you submit a business plan? Nobody will even give you a car unless you submit your financial uh, or a strata so that they can determine, okay, this is actually going to be okay for us to let you drive this vehicle off our lot. Why do you think that God would be any different in terms of why don't you submit what you say God said? But I see people move and shift and try to do all this, and they'll, they lie, they lie, they lie, because they, God said. And how many remember back in the Old Testament, it said the, 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 the prophets were saying God said and God never said. The people of God sometimes will say God said and God never said, and you never put it to the test. Is it line up with the word of God? Did it really line up with the word of God? Was it really something that God spoke to me or something that I just wanted to do and I decided this is what I want to do? Did it really make you more Christ-like? Or did it make you more, look at me, look at me. I want everybody to envy me. Watch, I want everybody to watch me when I drive my whatever type vehicle across, whatever type plane I, you might fly. When it's God, verse 17 out of the book of James, chapter 3, says when it's God, it meets all this test. It's submissive. It's full of mercy. Good fruit is going to come from it. It's going to be impartial. It's going to be sincere. Here's the third thing because of time. Here's the third of those tests of the seven that I want to give you. The third will be this. And put the third slide up for me, please. 
Does my church family confirm it? Does my church family? If I feel like I'm getting an impression from God, uh, you ought to be able to get that confirmed among other spiritual people in the midst of you. This is why you know, people, all of you, I don't think you fully understood, or maybe I haven't fully articulated, I believe that every member of this church ought to be a part of a small group. We have groups called home cell groups in our church. Every member, it is my heart's desire that every member of this congregation be in a small group. Because, see, sometimes it's other people that can hold you accountable in your life. See, the Bible says a man in his own thinking always feels like he's right. Anybody been there? When you don't have anybody to bounce that off of, you just say, yeah. Uh, I, 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 that's what I think. That's how it is. That's how it's going to be. But God says, what you think is right is not always right. And sometimes you just need somebody to be able to bounce that off. That's when you know I'm hearing the voice of God because either others are being able to confirm that's God. That's God. Even when the Lord was calling me, it was confirmed. Uh, uh, several people in our lives, we began to call them. We called them spiritual moms, spiritual dads, spiritual brothers and sisters in the Lord. And we began to talk about this because, again, Florida was on my mind, not Georgia, not Alabama. Ju Florida was on my mind. And I was going to Florida. But God was saying, no, I want you to still stay in this area. Because it, it should have, I, I should have known it anyway. I mean, I came to this area, and, you know, any of you who know anything about military people, and we should stay, my wife and I, are 20 years in the military. Most people get shifted about every four years. My wife and I, we spent two years in Florida, maybe three. We spent one year in Korea, South Korea. And then they brought us here to what I would call the metropolitan Washington, D.C. area. And it was like the military forgot we were here. We didn't get any more assignments. On my records, it shows assignment. But my assignment was moving from one Pentagon office to another Pentagon office. And finally, there was a man when I was, he was retiring. He was a general, four-star general. And he says, where do you want to go? I said, bowling. <laughs> Not bowling the game. There's a base in Washington, D.C. called Bowling Air Force Base. I said, I want to go to bowling. He says, you got it. I mean, he had it like that. And there I was. Dr. Parson, that's how I ended up at OSI. He just, that was my assignment. But see, God was showing us, I left you in this metropolitan area for a purpose. You thought it was just all connected to your military career, but it was connected to your God-given assignment here. It's just like now. And when it comes, you know, we, we talked about uh, we're in a, a, a church uh, um, fundraising uh, uh, drive or, 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 as we said, a capital campaign to raise funding for resources to get another building. And Every commercial realtor that we started to deal with, they wanted to take me to different counties. Some showed me property in Howard County. It's like, I can't go to Howard County. They showed me a lot of property in Prince George's County. 
As a matter of fact, when we started out of the church, we already had 12 and a half acres of land in Prince George's County. But God said, that's not where I told you to start. It's here. It's Silver Spring, Maryland. Folks, we are on assignment here. I'm not just here just because there was a vacant building that we could occupy. I'm here because it was by design of God. This is why when sometimes when I hear pastors there, okay, shifting their whole congregation from this place to a, another county, it's like, how do you do that? Did really God tell you that? It's not just about the fact that you can get land or you can get building. It's about what did God say? And for Pat and I, God said, Silver Spring, Maryland. And then for the initial part of that conversation, it was directly right here in the same building that you and I are sitting in right now. And when we went to, to as I say, ask, could we have this building or lease this building? They were considerate. I have to give them that. They were considerate, but they considerately took me right to the door because <laughs> they said, you don't have a clue. They started talking terminology in real estate that I had never even heard of. And they realized real quickly, and they said, uh, can we see three years of your financials? And I say, I may have three days of financials <laughs> to show you, but not no three years. And so they kind of, but do you know what? God brought us right back to where he said, start the church. Now, I'm telling you now, the, 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 the parameter is wider because God says, now enlarge your territory. The territory has to be bigger, but it's still Silver Spring. So that's what God does. And we begin to, as we would say, ask a lot of people that were in our lives, what do you think about this? What do you think about this? Because we know that they, they listened to God. They knew God. They prayed. They were intercessors. Folks, you don't want to step out and try to do anything without counsel. How many of you know the Bible says there is what? Safety in the multitude of counsel. There is safety in the multitude of counsel. And so God is trying to really keep you safe. God is trying to keep you from something that the enemy would try to easily do to uh, discourage you. Let's look at Ephesians chapter 3 and verse number 10 in line with this third uh, demarcation of testing to see, is that the voice of God speaking to me or is this just something that I'm inclined to do? I don't want to be leaning to my own flesh. Ephesians chapter 3, verse number 10, please. Would you put that scripture up for me? And he says, his intent was that now through who? Now through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and the authorities and the heavenly realms. God wants to use his church, and God will use his church to help test whether that's the voice of God speaking to you. So again, it goes back to what we were looking at before. Are you going to be submissive when it comes to that? And his best place to do this is in a small group. Small groups for me are 12 people or less who meet regularly, generally weekly. Sometimes they can even meet daily. Um, uh, even during my times of military time, I would have a, uh, a noonday Bible study at the various uh, military units that were then. And so that was a daily gathering of people. In other words, I said, bring your bag lunch. We get around the conference table, but we go through the word. Eat your lunch. Just don't spill too many crumbs on the general floor. And we have our time together. Let me say this again. Every member of this church, you should be in a small group. 
you should look at our website. You should see where these small groups meet. And perhaps many of you are called to lead a small group. There are many of you that have been in the Word long enough. You've been trained in the things of God. And you perhaps should be leading a small group. And, and, and in the era that we're living in now, especially with the capability of being able to be virtually connected, you might not be able to physically, you can be virtually connected. You should be leading a group, 12 or more. Now, I, I say to home group leaders, when your group gets to be larger than 12, you're now becoming selfish because you're now forgetting that a small group is supposed to be a cell. It's supposed to multiply. It's supposed to enlarge. So when it just becomes your meet and go to lunch group, you have totally redefined what a small group is. A small group is for you to reach people who need connection. Some of them are your neighbors. They'll never come to a facility like this. They'll never go to conferences. But they are your coworkers who hopefully have looked at your life and see that you're a Christian. And they would come to a small group and sit down with you and talk about the Bible. They would sit at your dining room table with you and talk about the things of God. But when you make it about you, sometimes you don't realize you're making yourself a, a, a miniature pastor. These are my people. This is my group. It's not about that. It's about multiplication. You're building people up. You're discipling them, and you're releasing them to go plant yet another group. And so when a group has been, a small group has been years and have never multiplied, you have lost the vision. You're not hearing God's voice. You are doing what satisfies you, but not what satisfies God. How many of you know that the disciples could have stayed in that little room that they were in? They could have stayed in the upper room. But the Great Commission said what? Go ye. That's why I always say one-third of God's name is G-O. Go. You're sending people to the north, the south, the east, and the west. You're trying to cover your whole and blanket your whole city with the good news and the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's the voice of God. He said, go into Jerusalem, but go to Judea. Go to Samaria, and then go to where? The uttermost parts of the earth. Everybody say, that's the voice of God. But if it just stays at, I'm going to give you my address. No, maybe I shouldn't do that on there. <laughs> You know, if I give you number, 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 whatever street, and that's where it stays all of the time, I would never. Look at, look at where this man named Saul, who later became Paul, he was on a street called what? Straight. But that wasn't meant for him to just stay on the street called Straight. He sent a man named Ananias there to lay hands on him so that the shackles might fall off his eyes. So that Paul could go. You remember what he said to Ananias? He says, he, 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 is, he, he is anointed. Folks, you're touching people. You're going to touch people that are anointed, that are going to go further than you would ever go. But if you just want to try to hold, how many want to hold your kids forever? <laughs> Look at that shaker. <laughs> it's like, yeah, grow up. And, and he's like, yeah. I'm hanging out with Pastor forever, though. <laughs> 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 
at some point, you want your children to do what? Grow? And like my dad said, y'all grow and go. You grow and you go. I mean, you know it's better for your children when they do grow and go. I mean, you've never noticed an eagle or birds. They won't let that little baby chick lay in the nest all the time. You cannot, small groups, let me say that, or I may be speaking to a small group, you cannot let your nest stay the way it is because you need these people to go out to help confirm the voice of God that is speaking to the world. Amen? So the Bible, the Bible says there's safety in the multitude of counsel. Proverbs chapter 11, verse 19, if you would, uh, just so that you can confirm what I'm saying here. Proverbs 11, 9. I, was, I said 19. Proverbs 11, 9. Um, so read it. I want you to read that a little bit louder. Understand where that's coming from? Again, it said, if it's God, you need to be talking to what? Godly people. And their wisdom can save you. Their wisdom can cause you to be, as it were, prevented from having some of the downfalls and pitfalls and the heartaches and the sorrows that sometimes come as a result of, I mean, you realize that godless people are going to give you what? Godless advice. Godless people are going to give you godless advice. Godless advice is like getting advice directly from the devil. What does the devil come to do? To kill, to steal, and to destroy. And some people have gotten advice from people, and I'm telling you, it, it has brought death. Might, might not be physical death, but it brought death to your business. It brought death to your marriage. It brought death to even the rearing of your children. You had relationships that were ruined and lost. You had things that were stolen from you because you took godless advice. There is safety in the multitude of counsel. And so what God is saying, godly counsel, though. Godly counsel. Look what he says of what happened. You can be ruined by godless, but, you, but the wisdom of the righteous, it can save you. It can save you. Now, we're not talking salvation there. It's just saying it, 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 it can save you from some ruins. It can save you from some bad business decisions. How many of you have ever hooked up with the wrong people? <laughs> Lord, help us. But godly wisdom would help you. How many of you, sometimes you can just see that a person, that a person just saying, oh, I love him, I love her, and you go, no, that, that person is not for you. And it would have saved them. I, I think I told you a, a story of, a, a, of going through, and I like to have counsel with people before they get married. I really do. I like to have, you know, at least eight to 12 sessions of meeting with the couples and going through some things so they can really understand what marriage is all about. And having gone through some counsel with a couple at one time, um, after I got to about the seventh week, 
and I've only done this twice in counseling of 20 plus years, 25 years actually, we're, uh, we're coming up on our 25th anniversary as a church. And after, I've only had to say this to two people, but I, I said to that couple, you should not get married. I, I don't know how you, you, you feel like people will react when you say something like that, especially if they feel like you have wasted their time talking about the things of God to them and then saying to them, you should not get married. Seven sessions I had. Folks, that is, that's the equivalent of about seven weeks, you understand? Because each session would be one session per week. So over the course of seven weeks, they have driven either here or to my house, and we've sat down, we've counseled. But then the Spirit of the Lord said, it's just going to be chaos. It's going to be chaos, so tell them they shouldn't get married. So I opened my big mouth, and that's exactly what I said to them. The young man immediately jumped up, angry upset with me and folks they were this is why I, I, I try to get our couples in this church please don't come to me asking me to do a wedding where you have already got your date you got your venue you spent money come to me when you start thinking about marriage not before you didn't made all of the wedding plans put out all of the deposit please come to me before all of that because after we finish counseling, you might not want to do all of that. But see, in this case, that was a situation. They had already put the deposit down on this grand venue that we're going to be having a reception. Because this is what we try to tell people. You put more emphasis on the reception and the perception that people will have about you rather than the marriage. You, you got to put the emphasis on the marriage relationship. So having done this, get mad with me, you know, you can just go to the Internet and get somebody to marry you. You can just go to the courthouse and somebody marry you. But if you want a godly marriage, you, you want to get godly counsel. You want to get godly wisdom. So after that, this, they got mad with me, and they got married. They got married. They had one of the grand, uh, the young lady, oh, God. She, she took out a $25,000 loan to pay for the reception. They got married. We weren't invited. <laughs> this was on a Saturday. They went on the honeymoon on the Monday. The young man got on the plane. I mean, they went on the honeymoon on Sunday. The young man got on the plane on the Monday, went back to the courthouse on Tuesday, and filed for annulment. Everybody says, there's safety in the multitude of counsel. All I was trying to do is save them. Save her from a $25,000 loan. And a man who all he went down to, uh, to the Caribbeans, had sex with her, and then came back and said, I don't want you. Say, Pastor, that's extreme. No, it's not. I think it happens far too often. How many of you realize that divorce is higher in the church than it is in the world? Because sometimes people don't sit down and get any counsel. We're just doing everything based on it looks this way, it feels this way. You cannot walk by your feeling. The Bible says you're going to have to walk by faith. You're going to have to walk by the word. 
you believe the word and you believe that God is speaking and you believe that God has to say something or has something to say on the matter. And do you want to hear what God has to say on the matter? I'm going to finish with this scripture. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 10, if you would. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 10. Read that scripture out loud, would you? Would you? For we are created in Christ to do good works which God has prepared in advance for us to do. All God is trying to do is to get you to the place of what he has prepared for in advance. And he uses, yes, he can speak to you directly, but most often he's going to use people in your life to speak into your life to help you to see what God has in store for you and to keep you from a lot of the heartaches, a lot of the pain, a lot of the embarrassment. See, what God is trying to do, maybe I should give you this next one to help you. Number four, put slide four. I'll try to finish with this, guys. But I think you'll be able to go out of here understanding a little bit better what I'm talking about. If it's an impression from God, here's the real fourth test that you're supposed to put to it. Is it consistent with how God has shaped me? See, some of the things that we like to do is not necessarily what you should do. There are a lot of people who like to sing, but they shouldn't. Now, I'm talking about on the choir, on the worship team. Everybody is supposed to make a joyful noise. I know how to do that. I can make a joyful noise. But the problem is, when I start making my joyful noise, it might not be so joyful to you. And you want to be, <laughs> let me get out of here real quick. Everybody is not shaped to sing. Everybody's not shaped to teach. Some of you, you don't like children. You want to be as far away from children as you can. Oh, Lord, that little boy that was running up there, oh. Well, you will never, ever need to be in children's church. That's all right. But then God has shaped you for something. Come on. This little thing here, this little, this, how many of you can tell what this is shaped for? This thing has got a what, a big round bottom? It's so that you can put your big round bottom on it. You can tell what it's shaped for. You have a shape. Pastor Rick Warren taught this, and I got, I got a hold of this years ago, talking about shape. Look, look, this is what shape is. S, I want you to do it as an acrostic. S is about your spiritual gifts. Every one of you have a spiritual gift. In this church, we like to give you, a, 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 as it were, a test to help you to discover what your spiritual gifts. Everybody ought to know what their spiritual gift is. And that's generally where you need to be connected in ministry. Is where your spiritual gifting is. Your spiritual gifting comes from God. And God gave you that spiritual gifting so that you could be what? Properly connected. How many of you would kind of be, it would look pretty freaky if my toe was up here for my nose? Or my fingers were out here for my ears? But fitly joined, it will be proportionate to what I'm shaped for. The S, uh, the S is for your spiritual gift. H. The H is 
But you have a heart. How many of you know that there's this thing that you have a heart for? My wife has a heart for feeding people. My wife has a heart for just spending time with old people. I remember even when we got married, her mother said to her, Oh, your friends are old. And literally, most of Miss Pat's friends were older than her mom. But she has a heart for it. I think it's because she, the way she grew up and she was with her aunt, her mother had passed. She was with her aunt, and they always went and visited old people. They always went and cooked, cleaned, cared for old people. And if you all, anybody who know her, you realize, she, I mean, she gets turned on by that. She gets fired up by that. There are some times I'm sitting out in the parking lot, and it's 15 minutes, so we start driving two cars. Because it, she's just going to spend some time. The pastor, don't rush me. I don't know how many days I have with this older person. I don't know how many days I get to hug them or get to pray with them or get to spend time. And I've just shut my mouth up and said, okay, God, I heard you. He said, that's why I gave you two vehicles. You can drive yours. She can drive hers. There are days you have to stay, but there are days she's going to have to stay so that she can do what she's shaped for. A in that shape, S-H-A, A is your ability. How I many of you know that you have God-given abilities? So there, there are some that have abilities different than you, different than me. But you have abilities. You have abilities. You have spiritual gifts. You have a heart for something that God has placed in your heart to do. God has given you abilities. P, P is your personality. P is your personality. How many of you know that all of you got different personalities? They're God-given personalities. They're designed by God to help you to be more effective in your witness when you come in contact with other people. Some of you have introverted personalities. It's okay. You don't need to be around. You don't even like to be around a lot of people, but you still need to be around what? People, but you are probably going to be more that one-on-one -on -one type of person rather than the big crowd. Take me. This, it takes everything out of me to do what I'm doing right now. I'm an introvert. My wife? <laughs> extrovert. She gets fueled by people. I get drained. And I have to go refuel. Folks, when I leave here, I go home, I am drained. And I have to, literally sometimes I just have to lay down just to get energy again. Because I'll lay it all down. I'll give it all I've got. But I'm giving beyond what I'm shaped for. I'm shaped to do what I'm doing, but it draws on me. It feels mispassed. So the P is your personality. My personality is an introvert. Hers an extrovert. Even when you see me and I say, Pastor's not talkative. I'm talkative when I get up here in this pulpit. But when it comes to just sitting down, I'm not talkative. Matter of fact, I realize sometimes that I try to overcompensate in order to be a talker. And a lot of people like Ron, they say, like, boy, pastor's got some, uh, what do you call it, dry humor. Because I'm generally overcompensating just to try to have conversation with people. Because most of the time, I'm, folks, I, I get here every Sunday morning, generally between 6 a.m., 6.30 at the latest. Because I just love that quiet time with God. I love coming and just sitting. Sometimes I just sit there. 
Sometimes I sit here. Sometimes I lay here. I just love that one-on-one with God. I just love it. So S-H-A-P-E. What is the E for? Look at my note. Experiences. S-H-A-P-E. The S was what? Your spiritual gift. H was your heart. A is your abilities. P is your personality. And yes, your experiences come into play of who you are and what you're shaped for. And every one of you have a God shape. Every one of you have a God shape. And you can tell, look at this thing here. We can tell what it's shaped for. We can tell what you're shaped for. And oftentimes, if I get a chance to spend some time for you, I can tell what you're shaped for, what your God shape is. And that's what God wants you to discover, what your God shape is. And one of the things that God is, when he speaks to you, he's never going to take you to a place that you're not shaped for. He's never going to try to put you in. Come on, some of you are not shaped for the various things that uh, happen in church. I mentioned choir. Not everybody's shaped for the choir. I mentioned children's ministry. Not everybody's shaped for children's ministry. Some of you don't like teenagers. We wouldn't try to put you into our student ministry, our young adult ministry. You would be somewhere where you're best shaped. And when we begin to see what your spiritual gifts are, we can generally help guide you to what God has shaped you for. Amen? Hallelujah. I need to stop here because this is a Sunday. We like to start every one of our first Sundays by just having communion, just reminding ourselves that Jesus told us, don't forget, he spoke to us. If you've understood this, he said, if you don't do certain things, you can easily forget. This is why uh, this morning, uh, for some of you, you know I like gardening. I like flowers. I I like planting flowers. I like maintaining the flowers. And, And this morning, I was out watering the flowers here. I watered the flowers at my home, and I got here and the flowers. And I noticed this, and I'm sure you noticed this. If you don't water the flowers, especially with the way the sun is shining, What's going to happen to the flowers? They will wither. How many of you know that if you don't water yourself with the word of God? So as I'm there with this <coughs> device watering the plants, that was what spiritually God was speaking to me. There are so many people that haven't been watered with the word, and they're withering away, Pastor. And there are things that Jesus institutes in our lives that says, Don't forget, don't forget, don't forget, don't forget. Don't forget. Don't forget what Jesus has done for you. Don't forget that your salvation, your freedom, this Independence Day. I know uh, the world will celebrate and say, well, this is uh, the 4th of July. This is Independence Day. This is the 245th birthday of the United States. But I'm telling you, your independence came when Jesus died on Calvary. The whom the Son sets free has been what? Free indeed. You are free indeed because of what Jesus, but he says, I don't want you to forget. And there is a tendency to forget what the Lord has done. And every time you think about what the Lord has done, he just simply is trying to put you back into a place of praise. 
of worship, of honor, of understanding, I'm speaking to you. What I did for you, I would do it again, Jesus is basically saying to all of us. For God so loved this world that he gave all of heaven's treasures. He gave the best of what heaven had. Jesus was the best of what heaven had to offer, and God gave it freely. And he said, and all I want you to do is just never forget. You've been washed. You've been acquitted. You've been set free. Your sins are as far as the east is from the west. Don't let the devil keep trying to blind your mind and saying, well, you know what you used to do. That's who I used to be. I'm a new creature now. Old things have passed away, and behold, all things have become brand new because of what Jesus has done for me. And he says, don't take it lightly that if you have missed it, then take a moment and say to God, Lord, I missed it. There have been things that I've been doing. There's activities that I've been involved in. They have not been godly, and will you forgive me? I want you to take that quiet moment among yourself right now. Just close your eyes, bow your head, and you have that conversation with God. Is there anything out of order in your life? Let God, and, 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 and just express it to God. This is out of order in my life, God. So, God, you're a you do everything decently in order. Put my life in order. I surrender to you. I yield to you. I ask you to forgive me of my trespasses. I repent of that decision that I made. But, Lord, I know you're an advocate. I know you are faithful. I know you are just to forgive me. And I know that you are quick to restore me. And so, Father, I stand. And thank you for restoring me back into fellowship, back into the proper and right relationship that I need with you. And, Father, I am saying by participating in this time of communion that I will never forget what you have done for me. I will never forget the sacrifice that you've made on my behalf. I will never forget. I will always remember. And so thank you, Father. Thank you. Now the cup, the Bible says, represents the blood, the bread represents the body. You and I now are the body of Christ. And so the first thing that Jesus did to his disciples or for his disciples, he said, take the bread and remember that my body was bruised for your iniquity. My body was crushed so that you won't be crushed, so that you won't be defeated. And so we thank God for the victory. Victory is yours. Victory is mine because of what Jesus did. So let's take the bread together and remind the devil that he's crushed. He's crushed. Go ahead and take the bread together in Jesus' name. Notice this. One thing the Lord spoke to me about communion, he says, I want you to use your mouth to crush it. How many of you know that's how you crush the enemy? See, the words of your mouth, the meditation of your heart, God says, I want that to be acceptable. But the devil will never, ever back up off of you until you speak the word. Until you speak the word. You have to use your mouth. You have to use your mouth. And so communion puts us in remembrance. When I use my mouth with the word of God, yeah, whatever the devil meant for evil, God's going to turn it for good. I'm resisting the devil, and the Bible says the devil will then what? Flee. 
He will never flee until you resist. How do you resist? With the word. The weapons of your warfare are not carnal. They are mighty through God, and they will pull down the stronghold. What do you think the weapons are? It's God's word. It's God's word. He gives you all these symbols of, you know, the sword, the helmet, the, 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 the breastplate, uh, uh, your loins being girt about, your feet being sharp with the preparation of the gospel of peace. But he tells you about this shield. He tells you about this sword. And what is that sword? It's the word of God. He's not saying that you need to go to and get some steel master to build you some heavy sword you probably can't even pick up. I remember when people wanted to give me a sword. I said, look, one... I can't even take it back on the plane with me so you can keep it. They are not going to let me go through custom with this big old heavy sword that you all have presented to me. But I've got a sword. And it's the word of God. And then Jesus, remember what Jesus did with the cup? He said, now this cup, my disciples, represents my blood that was shed. It's not the actual blood of Jesus Christ. You know that. We can't bottle it up and put it in a little cup like this. What does it represent? It represents the blood of Jesus Christ. It is symbolic, representing what? Blood that was shed for the remission of our sin. And he says, and this is how you and I overcome, book of Revelation. He says, you overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of your testimony. Say, I overcome. And how have you overcome? Not by works, not by your might, not by strength, not by your ability. It's because what? Of that word that is nigh you, even in your mouth. And you overcome. You overcome every obstacle. You overcome every struggle, every trouble that the devil tries to throw your way. You overcome. And you remember, I'm an overcomer. I'm an overcomer. You are not being overcome. You are an overcomer. And that's what you're remembering. You know, when I was a child, every time the communion would come, I would just start to cry, and I don't know why. And I mean, later, I guess when I was about 10 years old, the only thing that I could see was the suffering of Jesus Christ. And I remember my father saying to me, son, he is not there anymore. He does not want you to see him as it were and be stuck with him nailed to the cross. Yes, he did get nailed to the cross. But you remember I took you through a drill where only thing that's nailed to that cross is your sin. That thing that the devil would use to accuse you of, you now point back to the cross and say, mm -mm, Jesus took that. I mean, you know he took the sins of the world. Whatever that sin is, Jesus took it to the cross and he nailed it there. And that's what stayed there. He didn't stay there. They buried him. They tried to put him in a cave and keep him locked there. But how many of you know after three days, he got up. And where did the Bible tell us that Jesus is? He is seated at the right hand of the Father. What is he doing? Making intercession on our behalf. That's where, and so that helped me. My father was able to help me. Uh, that's what it says, safety in the multitude of counsel. Me and my mom helping us to understand this represents freedom. See, tonight on the mall, they'll shoot a lot of fireworks. That don't represent no freedom. This represents freedom. This represents freedom. That will be a grand show, and it will be glitzy and a lot of light. But what does this represent? freedom I overcome 
by his blood and testifying what he has said concerning me. So let's take the cup now in Jesus' name. Thank you for the blood. Thank you for your precious blood, God. Thank you for your precious blood, God. Thank you for your precious blood. Thank you for this victory that we have in Jesus. Thank you that we're more than conquerors. Thank you that we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. Thank you that we are the head and not the tail. We are above and not beneath. Thank you, Lord God, that we are what your word says that we are. We can do what your word says that we can do. We can have what your word says that we can have. We can live in the lifestyle that your word says that we can live. We live above and not beneath. The devil is under our feet. Whatever weapons that have been formed against us, they won't prosper. Every tongue that rise up against us in judgment, God will condemn and prove that to be wrong. God is the author and the finisher of our faith and we're going to continue to walk by faith and not by sight we're going to continue to be more than conquerors whatever we put our hands to because your word says it bless bless coming in bless going out blessed in the city blessed in the fields sometimes I add Blessed in the suburbs, too. <laughs> wherever you are, wherever you go, God is with you. He'll never leave you. He'll never forsake you. He is a friend that sticks closer than a friend. When friends get tired, God will be your glory and the lifter of your head. And friends can and often will do the best that they can. But they can never, ever do what Jesus does. Come on, this is why your old saints used to say, in the midnight hour when nobody was there, you could get up and know that God is there. When you were in the midst of never, never land, sleep, God is watching over you. Some of you didn't even know it rained hard last night, did you? You were just sleeping hard. But God was watering the earth. While you slept, God was keeping all harm and danger away from your premises. While you slept, my daddy used to say, while you slumbered and slept. I never understood what the slumber was, though, but I understood slept. But God will not let you slip. To the old baby and the Marshall family, we do thank God for you. Um, we thank God for all of your family that have joined you in service today. You missed some of the dancing, some of the shouting. The, the Bible says this, when they had communion, you remember when you read your Bible, it says when they finished that act that we call communion, some of you like to say it and refer to it as the Lord's table. Hate to bust your bubble, but there probably was no table. Everybody ate their meals in seated and squatted positions. You see, a lot of times we add a few things in the Bible that were never really there. But after they finish that meal, the Bible does say this 
they went out with a hymn. In other words, you can say it like this, they went out with a song. Now that's Whitney, and at least you and Sarah, you have some songs. Amen? <laughs> She's like, what? <laughs> yeah. That's what you were shaped for. Amen? There are things that some of us, we realize, we're shaped for that. And the Bible says, be ye also ready. I want you to stand. We're just going to sing some worship songs or a song. Feel at freedom to exit at any point that you'd like to exit, but we're just going to worship. We're just going to worship. I don't know when that'll end, but we're just going to worship. But if it's, you know, if you need to, nobody is going to look at you negatively or think negatively about you, but we're just going to worship. Because, like David said, if I had 10,000 tongues, you know, he's mentioned tongues because that's what you use to enunciate words. If I had 10,000 tongues, they wouldn't be enough to give the adequate amount of praise that God is deserving of. They wouldn't be enough to adequately express our gratitude and our thanks. So, Eddie, God bless you. Glad to have you back in the house this morning. I don't know if you all want to say something to the congregation, but I will give way to that so that you can. Amen. And if not, we'll just say it to Jesus. We'll say it to Jesus. Come on, you're ready? Amen. If you so desire to give, give. There are envelopes, grab them, give. You know what the word says. Bring the tithes and the offerings into the storehouse. Okay. Thanks again for joining us today. Here at Rainbow Family, our mission is to love God, love people, and change the world. If you would like to partner with us in any way, we encourage you to visit our website at rainbowfamilychristian.org. 